Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Back Home Again in Indiana edition as we head to Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. This week, the Bengals were permitted to meet with 45 different players for exactly 18 minutes. So, what are those meetings like? The team's director of college scouting, Mike Potts, takes us inside the room. Have you ever tried a mock draft simulator where your computer makes picks for the other 31 teams and then when it's your turn, you see who's left and pick for the Bengals? I enjoyed doing three round mock drafts for Cincinnati and thought it would be fun at the Combine to have some of the top draft gurus do that. Dane Brugler from The Athletic is up first. But before we get to that, I'll talk to a very special guest, Hall of Fame wide receiver James Lofton, who tells us why he's happy to see Ken Riley joining him in Canton. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since beer rankings. I'm not talking about ranking your favorite beer brands or favorite beer styles. I'm talking about ranking your favorite beer drinking occasions, like a tailgating beer, or a beach beer, or a just finished mowing the lawn beer. I bring up the topic because I recently got stuck in the Charlotte airport for several hours and the delayed flight beer might be number one on my list. There's something about shared misery and a frosty beer that turns anybody and everybody from grumpy to friendly. So here's a toast to the delayed flight beer. When your departure is late, it tastes great. Now, let's get to football. On Saturday, August 5th, Ken Riley will join Anthony Munoz as the second player who spent most of his career in Cincinnati to enter the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I recently had the opportunity to visit with Hall of Fame wide receiver James Lofton. We discussed the Rattler and much more. James, you endorsed Ken Riley's case to join you in the Pro Football Hall of Fame before he got voted in. What was your reaction to the Rattler getting selected this year? I was excited, um, you know, just, but you go, man, I wish he could be around to enjoy it because he he really did earn it. And, and it just seems like for some reason, once he got passed over the first, second or third times, then people just, he, he became an afterthought. But as a player on the field, he was he was somebody to contend with. He really was. You faced him when you were a youngster, and he was toward the tail end of his NFL career, but he was still getting it done at the very end. Well, we, we had two kind of head-to-head meetings, uh, one in Green Bay. And, and I remember because of the highlights, I always see this highlight. I caught a pass maybe from about the 11-yard line, a little fade route. He was stumbling. And being the young player that I was, I kind of turned and spiked the ball in his direction, you know, and, and, and spiked it hard, then put my hands up and ran back down to our sideline and took high fives from all the players. And then fast forward, and it's the 1983 season, and it's week nine. 
and I am leading the NFL in yards. After eight games, I have 800 yards. So in my mind, I'm going, man, I'm going to have 1,500, 1,600 yards this season. At the end of the game, when you picked up the newspaper, we had newspapers in those days, <laughs> my stat line was zero for zero. But there should have been an asterisk there. Guy had two offensive pass interference calls against me, pushing off on Ken to try and get to the ball. He, he, he was all over me that day. So he didn't forget that spike at all. We are visiting with Hall of Famer James Lofton, another former Bengal, A.J. Green, recently announced his retirement. Injuries likely derailed his chance of going to the Hall of Fame someday. But what did you think of A.J. in his prime and his career as a whole? It's funny. When you watch the game, you, you watch players, you watch their mannerisms, the way they play, the way they move. And he was a guy who was built like I was. And I, and I always looked at him and said, man, that's, that's kind of what I would look like in today's game. And obviously today's game referencing when he played, you know, 10 years ago, but I looked at him and I just loved the way he played. He, he was beautiful to watch. Um, and yeah, it, it's difficult for him just when you start to look at the numbers that guys are going to consistently put up uh, and the injuries got the injury bug got to him the last couple of years, which was unfortunate because he was really one terrific player. The Bengals obviously have a great trio of wide receivers right now in Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Do you think that's the best group in the NFL? It's interesting. I think that they are really up there. And, and as I was watching the AFC Championship game, I remember when Tyler Boyd took over from A.J. Green as the number one receiver. And now he slid down to that number three receiver. But I'm looking at it and I'm thinking about football and I'm thinking about what makes a team and what holds it together. Well, glue holds it together. And on the defensive side, it's that nickel defensive back that comes in who can stop the third receiver. And the third receiver is the glue that holds the offense together. Yeah, you've got a good run game. You've got good starting receivers, a good tight end. But who can cover that third guy? And normally people could not cover Tyler Boyd. I think he had 58 receptions. 762 yards, five touchdowns last year. And when he got hurt, I said, uh-oh, the Bengals are, I said this to myself, I said the Bengals are in, in a little bit of trouble now. And as it turned out, they really were because they didn't have that third guy to go to, and that allowed coverage to shift and really slow down Jamar Chase. They almost got back to the Super Bowl, despite yeah. that. After coming within a couple of minutes of winning the Super Bowl the year before, how did this past season impact your view of the Bengals and how close they are going forward? I'm just I'm looking at the AFC North, and they are what the AFC West was supposed to be. Everybody talked about the Bengals and not the Bengals, but they talked about the Broncos and you talked about the Chargers and the Raiders. And you said, Kansas City, they're all going to have winning records. Well, they didn't all have winning records. The team that almost, the division that almost did have winning records from top to bottom was the AFC North with Cleveland finishing at seven and 10, but Pittsburgh nine and eight, the Ravens 10 and seven, and then the, the Bengals on top. And I don't know if somebody can jump up from that division and move, make the move. Deshaun Watson, is he going to be the Deshaun Watson that we saw early in his career in Houston? And is Lamar Jackson going to be the MVP type guy that he was early on in his career? Right now, if you're looking at it and you're saying that this is a quarterback-driven league, Joe Burrow is at the top of the class in that division.
Well, you mentioned two of the great ones in the AFC. Let's take a closer look at the uh, entire conference. You've got Patrick Mahomes. You've got Josh Allen. You've got Trevor Lawrence. uh, And obviously the guys you mentioned in the North. Where does Burrow rank on the list? And and what do you like and respect about Joe? Well, you you know, I I made my list. And, you know, you threw Josh Allen in there. Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Jackson, and then Joe Burrow. And each Sunday, each Sunday, these guys can win games for you. Not that you win games with them or you think that you need better. They are the they are the guys that win games. And so now the supporting cast and do you do the little things during the course of the game? Do you protect the passer well enough? Do you have a good edge rusher? Do, can your running game complement this quarterback? So Joe Burrow, if, if you're stacking guys, you have to put Patrick Mahomes there first because he's won the Super Bowls in that group. Next, it's kind of like a wedding when you throw the garter belt. It's a mad scramble for number two. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Burrow, he better dive on it. Because, I mean, you can have an argument with anybody at a bar in one of those cities and they would put their guy at number two. They, they would be foolish to put their guy above Patrick Mahomes but to put their guy number two, they would have a legitimate claim for that. And, and so I think it's it's that close with those guys. But when you look at close, you look at production and production wise, it's Joe Burrow because he's been to the Super Bowl. He's played in AFC championship game two years in a row. So he is kind of a clear number two, but really just depends on who's buying. <laughs> we are chatting with the, the great James Lofton. Does Joe remind you of anybody you played with or against? I know you got the comparison with, with the Joe Montana because of the demeanor. Um, and, and Joe Montana was like that. I was uh, with him at the Super Bowl at, at an event at, on Radio Row. And, and I just remember him being the guy that I felt like if I didn't, wasn't playing in Green Bay, I'd want to be playing with Joe Montana. And I think a lot of players around the league, if they weren't playing where they were currently playing, they'd want to be playing with Joe Burrow. So this is the first offseason where the Bengals can try to extend Joe's contract, and obviously they will try to do that. He's probably going to be making $50 million a year or something like that. What what did you just say? (laughs) $50 million or something like that. How's that sound? Sounds pretty good, right? It it does sound crazy, but it's happened. I, I remember when it was 75 cents to go to the movies. So assuming they get this done, and they keep guys like Higgins and Chase with a, a salary cap league. You know, I don't I don't know if if you can do quarterback friendly deals like Tom Brady did with with New England. You know, he still got paid a lot of money, but he wasn't always the the highest paid guy. He wasn't always making what he deserved for what he was doing for his team. So it's not my money. So would a quarterback I can't believe I'm about to say this. Take a discount and only take forty million a year as opposed to fifty million a year, and, and would that really make a big difference? Because I think with all the revenue sources that the NFL has, the, the salaries are—I guess they really are justified. 
whatever Joe makes is going to be justified in Cincinnati. I can tell you that. <laughs> so the Bengals offensive and defensive coordinators got head coaching interviews this past uh, off season. They did not get selected. So the Bengals will go into next year with Zach Taylor in his fifth season and all of his coordinators with him for that entire time. Luana Rumo on defense, Brian Callahan on offense, Darren Simmons is the special teams coordinator. How advantageous do you think that is? Well, it, it is advantageous because you don't have any new learning. But then on the other end, it's also disadvantageous because you don't have any new learning. Hmm. You're not bringing a new spice into the building because everybody who's competing against you in your own division, they're getting to know you a little bit better. You're getting to know them a little bit better. And, and then it really does boil down to the personnel. And you mentioned about the quarterback getting the contract extension. Who does that chop off that was really good, but now you got to bring in somebody and teach them what this guy already knew. So having new, the same coordinators helps in that fashion. So, but coordinators are, are important. Head coaches are important. And, and I love coaches who have smart gambles. So during the course of a game, going forward on third down, you know, having a third down where you got third and one, throw that ball deep because you know you can pick it up on fourth down and you have confidence to do that. And you play to the strengths of your players. What what do they do well? Don't ask guys to do things that they don't do real well. And I think that the Bengals have done that when I watch them play. They don't ask guys to do things that they aren't capable of doing exceptionally well. Final question for James Lofton. We've crossed paths a few times over the years when you've been broadcasting Bengals games. The last one you did was in the 2020 season, shortly <laughs> after Joe Burrow got hurt. Yeah. Were you stunned that they were in the Super Bowl the next year? You know what? And and you go back to about week 12 and the Bengals, I can't remember who the Bengals had lost to, but it was a loss and, and it might've been the Chargers. I don't know if that sounds, if that's correct, but there was somebody that they lost to in that last quarter of the season. We said, oh, they're kind of done. And then they won the next four or five mm -hmm. to close out the season. So it depends on getting hot at the right time. And we always talk about playing your best football in December and January. And the Bengals have done that the last two years. And that really does boil down to coaching and the coach having that confidence in his players that, pushes them enough during training camp, a little bit during this course of the season, knows when to back off, know, understands the bye weeks, understands the Thursday night games and all of that, and, and makes it not that it's just player-friendly, but it's also coach-friendly because you want your coaches to be energized at the later part of the season. So that's what I think Zach Taylor has done exceptionally well. James, this has been great. And on behalf of Bengals fans, thank you for publicly endorsing Ken Riley's Hall of Fame case before he got in. I think uh, the impact of legends like yourself and others who spoke up uh, in trying to make the case that Ken and his 65 uh, interceptions deserve to be in Canton made a big difference. So thank you very much. Well, I just got to tag the Ken Riley story with this. So we had the two head-to-head -head matchups. And then he takes a coaching job with the Green Bay Packers. And he lives five houses away from me just to torment me even more. So I couldn't get open even when he was coaching for the Packers. <laughs> well, that bust is going to look great in Canton. And thank you for the impact uh, that you had in making it happen. So, again, thank you for your time. Greatly appreciate it. And I hope our uh, paths cross in a broadcast booth sometime soon. Great seeing you again, Dan.
The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. And by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. The NFL Scouting Combine has been going on this week in Indianapolis. And while the drills are televised, one thing we don't get to see are the meetings that the teams hold with the players. What exactly are those meetings like? To find out, I caught up with the Bengals' director of college scouting, Mike Potts. Mike, how valuable is the combine, and what do you value the most while you're here? It's really valuable overall. I, I think the medical is probably the, the thing that is the most valuable at the end of the day for us, just having 300-some players all in the same place with all these, these doctors from around the league getting in-depth scans and, and everything that they, all that information that they need. That's probably, at the end of the day, the most valuable thing that we get out of it. But then also the workouts and the interviews are obviously um, incredibly important as well. So it's, it's, just, it's just really, really great. We've been scouting these guys all year, and um, it's, it's great to have them all in the same location for a week. And you get to sit down and look them in the eye and, and talk to them face-to-face and see them work, work out there on the field. So... I love it every year. I look forward to it every year um, coming to Indy, and um, it's just a it's just a great event. I would love to be a fly on the wall for the one-on-one interviews, or not one-on-one because you have several people in the room, but the interviews that you do with the prospects. How many do you do while you're here, and how long are they? So there's 45 interviews that we get. This year they were spread out throughout Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. Um, some, some years they, it may be spread over five days or so. But they're 18 minutes long each. We get to we get to pick the uh, 45 guys that we want we want to interview, and they can be anywhere from starting at 8 a.m. and then they can end as late as 11 p.m. at night. So uh, there's there's some long days, but it's it's uh, you know probably my favorite part of it. Just you're, you're talking to uh, staff members from all these colleges, all of their coaches, and getting information and their opinion on the player. But it's but it's nice to then bring that full circle and meet the player face to face so it's a great process we we go through it um i i have uh, set questions that i ask everybody and then there's also specific questions tailored to that individual and then we let our position coach go through some tape with them and and everybody in the room is kind of free to shoot out questions at you know towards the end of it if there's specific things that pop up so it's uh it's an awesome awesome process and it's it's great for for some of the people that aren't familiar with the player to really have a, a strong baseline and introduction to some of these players is that typically the first time you have ever talked to the player it typically is at some of the small schools they may bring if if they only have one prospect or one or two they may bring them in to meet with you if you um go on a scouting visit to say a division two school or something like that um and then there, there's a handful of schools that they'll introduce you to the player very briefly but i would say probably a good 90 percent of the time it's the first real interaction with that player and then that'll continue throughout the spring obviously going to their pro days uh, you'll get more face-to-face interaction with them, and then we may we'll, we get 30 guys that we can bring in for visits to Cincinnati. So we'll uh, get some more face-to-face interaction. But that typically, 
most of the time is the is the first time that you're talking to them face to face. We're visiting with the Bengals director of college scouting, Mike Potts. 18 minutes isn't very long. Do you have to stick to a tight script to try to get as much accomplished as you can in those 18 minutes? We do. We try to take advantage of every second that we have. So some of it is scripted, but it, we try to make it a balance to where it's not too scripted and it's it's somewhat casual and conversational to where in that 18 minutes you're not going to find out everything but you want to get a feel for who they are as a person get a feel for their general personality um you know just just so you can go off of your scouting instincts and compare them to guys that you've interviewed in the past and like i said we ask a lot of the guys the same question so we can compare even the 45 guys that we interviewed this year we can compare uh, some of the ways that they answer those same questions. But, yes, we, tr- we try to make it as efficient as possible, and we're constantly tweaking it every year. If there's one question we want to take out and a new question we want to add, um, but like you said, it's y- you can never get a 100% conviction on a guy in 18 minutes, but we try to do the best that we possibly can. Are they taped? They... We used to do that, but, but we, we chose not to, to go with that now. Like I said, it goes along with wanting to get a true feel for the person and you know just how it is with anybody if a camera's in your face you're probably not going to act exactly how how you would be in a casual setting you know you you and I just sitting here having a conversation so we had done that at uh, times in the past but we've kind of went away from that and we had we've chosen not to record it but we do we do take notes on everything you know all of our scouts in the room are are taking different notes and and we'll, we'll grade guys a through f in terms of uh you know what we what we thought of them in, in the interview process. So we, it's it's uh, you know there, there's it's documented in a certain way, but we we don't we chose not to uh, video or audio record it. If you have a quote unquote red flag on a guy, something that's happened in their past, an incident, something that happened on their team, whatever that might be, is this a major opportunity to get to the bottom of it? Is that kind of when you address it? It is because. Everybody has different opinions on the players, so I may go into a school, one of our other scouts may go into a school, you may get 10 different sources, 10 different staff members that have an opinion on a guy. Maybe five or six are negative, and maybe the other four or five are positive on the guy. And then when you get a chance, give this player a chance to tell his side of the story, then maybe, maybe there's some discrepancies there between different opinions that that other people thought of the of the story sometimes maybe there's there's uh things that players will own up to that they did negatively that maybe some people on their staff didn't even know about so there it kind of works both ways in that regard so i do these fun facts interviews during the course of the season i always end with the same question if you could meet anybody in history who would that person be and it, it leads to some fun content Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. But do you have a question that you found over the years? You know, I often get a lot of interesting responses that help me understand these players. Oh, man, there's there's so many different questions. I don't know if I could boil it down just to, to one. Um, I, always, I always like asking them what their, what their drive is, what their motivation is. Um, it kind of gives us a feel for how much they, they love football along with, you know, 
you, sometimes you, you, you ask about their family, you ask about football questions, we put the tape on. I just love seeing the combination of that and certain moments in the interview when the guy really lights up and you can really see his passion and then some guys are just less less emotional, you know, lower lower energy and, and more monotone throughout. So I think that not that we would eliminate a guy that that was that way, but it, I think I think it, it does tell you a lot about it. I, I wish I could boil it down to one specific question, but I w- if, if I had to pick one, it's just kind of what their drive is. We're talking to the Bengals director of college scouting, Mike Potts. In recent years, you've drafted a lot of captains. You talked about uh, the love of the game, guys that enjoy the grind. Has it been by design that you've drafted so many captains and guys that seem to fit that description, or is that just the way it's worked out? I think it's a little bit of both. We're, we're not going out looking specifically for captains, but the type of guys we're looking for typically end up being captains. So it kind of works hand in hand that way in terms of we end up with the captain at the end of our process because the guys that we're looking for, they're displaying those traits at their college and then in turn being, you know, that they earn the respect of their, their coaches and their teammates and then they're voted to be captains at their school. So we're not specifically looking for captains because some, sometimes there, there are cases where guys are undeserved to be a captain at their college. They just get voted, you know, because they're the best player. Or maybe they're their starting quarterback and the coaches want them to be a leader and a quote-unquote captain, um, but, it's, but they're not necessarily a great leader and they, they maybe didn't necessarily earn that captaincy. So um, it, it – uh, it's not something that we seek out, but a lot of times it ends up happening once we go through our process. So back in 2020, when you met with Joe Burrow, somebody who was in the room that day said to me later, it was the most impressive combine interview that I've ever seen. What stood out to you about that initial meeting with Joe? Yeah, he, I would agree. He was very impressive. Um, I had done a lot of work on scouting him throughout the, the previous couple of years to that so I, th- I think I had a good feel for what that was going to be like but you never know until you meet the guy for the first time and, and look him in the eye so it may have been a little bit more informative for the other people in the room but he struck you exactly the way that his staff members at LSU and people we talked to at Ohio State people we talked to even prior to that the way everybody raved about him and described him it aligned with what we saw when we when we met him in person so it's always good when those two line up like I said previously sometimes it doesn't always align there's different opinions on guys and you meet a guy and you're like this guy's completely different than what he was described by some people but with Joe it it all lined up and you know everything that I think we've seen in Cincinnati in terms of his leadership his drive his intelligence um, really everything that that he brings to the table and everything that he's been for us in Cincinnati um, I think I think you could see some of those traits even though it's only an 18 minute interview you you got a glimpse of that in uh in meeting him here in indy when you put on the tape is it their tape is it bengal's tape what are you asking them to look at we put on their tape we we want them to talk ball we we want them to tell us what they know football wise we it's it's stuff that they've been doing the the last three to five years with with most most of these guys and they should be really familiar with the terminology tell us what you're doing on this play Hey, coach me up here. If, if I'm if I'm the right guard on this play, coach me up in your scheme. Um, what are, what are they asking you to do? So it's 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 all their tape. It could be from any point throughout their career, freshman all the way up to to senior year. And um, there's it's we're, we're restricted for time, so sometimes we may only get to five to ten clips. But then we 
it, it kind of gives us a direction to go later in the process in terms of if, if we meet them at their pro day and we can sit down for an hour and watch tape with them or we do a Zoom interview with them or we bring them into our facility, it kind of is able to point us in the right direction for the questions that we still need to answer in terms of their football intelligence. A couple more questions for Mike Potts. You've been with the Bengals since 2015, I believe, working very closely with Duke Tobin. What do you admire and respect about Duke? Duke's great to work for. Um, he doesn't micromanage us whatsoever. Um, I think he, he's very even-keeled in his personality. I think he's uh, you know a, a guy who is just looking to, to do what's best for the organization, and I, I really respect that about him, love working underneath of him. Um, he's he's taught me a lot, you know, just about scouting, about the the whole process, you know, from from the uh, salary cap th- side of things, some of the analytics things that we do, you know, pro and, and college scouting, and he's he's given me a great opportunity here to put a ton on my plate. You know, my my job duties may be more more um, focused mainly on college scouting, but that may only be. 70% of what I do. There, there, there's a lot of other things that he's given me to put on my plate, and that helps me get better um, and, and develop more experience in different areas to you know, be able to add more value to the organization. So uh, I really, really love the way he has everything set up here, and, and again, he's, he's a great guy to work under. The draft is a very imprecise science, but the Bengals have been on, at least I think, a bit of a roll of late. What do you think that you and, and the entire Cincinnati staff have done well? Bringing in the right people, character-wise, and there, there's different phases to it. You talked about the the interviews. You know, we we talked about scouting and talking to people at their colleges. You know, in their in their life growing up before college, their family background. So you just have to put it all together. You have to. We have a we have a lot of hard workers on our staff that really embrace the process, are really detail-oriented and, and thorough in everything that they do from an evaluation standpoint. And then really at the end of the day, I, th- I think it's not overthinking it. We're, we're looking for good players. Everybody's looking for good players, but sometimes you may overvalue um, a certain a certain trait, whatever, whatever. It could be speed. It could be size. You know, it could be intelligence. I, I think at the end of the day, we're looking for the, the guys that, that can bring the most well-rounded um, games to Cincinnati in all, in all aspects. It's not, you know, it's easier said than done, especially picking late in the draft as, as we have been here the, the past couple of years. It's going to, it's going to make it a little bit more difficult and it's going to make our process that much more important. But um, I, at the end of the day, I, I don't think it's, it's rocket science. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're evaluating football players and, uh, and we're, we're not going to overthink it, but, but I, I do think we've done a good job and I, at the same time, I think I still think there is room for improvement to continue to get better uh, with with our processes and continue to just to just bring in the right type of players that we want again as as people and as football players. These are busy, long days. You are running on coffee and adrenaline. I appreciate you taking some time with me, and, and best of luck when the draft approaches. Thanks a lot, Dan. I appreciate it. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and sign merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. As I've mentioned before on this podcast, I am a big fan of mock draft simulators. If you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, you can find good ones for free at ProFootballFocus.com and ProFootballNetwork.com. The Mock Draft Simulator allows you to play Bengals GM for as many rounds of the draft as you want. 
the simulator begins making picks in order, and then, when it's your turn, you can decide whether you want to wheel and deal or go ahead and make the Bengals pick. I've been doing three-round mock drafts for several years, and it's a great way to learn some of the players that are likely to be available to the Bengals. So, this week at the Combine, I came up with a fun idea. I asked several NFL draft experts to join me in front of my laptop and make the Bengals' first three picks by using the Pro Football Focus Mock Draft Simulator. Up first, Dane Brugler, who covers the draft for The Athletic. All right, we fired up the PFF Mock Draft Simulator with my favorite draft guru, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Always great to catch up with Dane at the Combine. We're not going to be allowed to make any trades. Okay. We don't know how accurate this is going to be based on your board, but in any case, I'm going to hit start. And uh, when the Bengals pop up at number 28, we'll look at the options available. We'll see which guys just got picked, and uh, we'll see what you would do. So here we go. All right, the picks are flying off the board. This goes very, very quickly. We are at 20, 25, 28. Dalton Kincaid, who has frequently been mocked Mm -hmm. to the Bengals, just went at 27 to the Buffalo Bills. I'll show you a few of the previous picks. Yep, Mozzie Smith off the board at 26 of the Cowboys. That's interesting. Zay Flowers at 23 of the Vikings. Now we're going over to the guys still available side. Right. So we have Kalaja Kansi. This is the best available according to PFF. So we've got Kalaja Kansi, Deontay Banks, uh, Andre. That's way too early for Andre Carter. Uh, Nolan Smith, who uh, had such a big workout last night at the Combine. Uh, okay, Anton Harrison, that's a good name keep on the radar Luke Musgrave who uh, they might name rename the combine after him when he's done with it you had him going to the Bengals in I your did. most recent mock I did and I and you know I think that got mixed reaction from Bengals fans but uh, he, he's a weapon and he's he's a really athletic player so I, I, I think he should at least be in that conversation uh, BJ Larry I think that makes uh, if, if we're talking about best player he's someone that you know you, you always try to get strength on the edges, uh, even if it's not your number one need. So, I, I like that. Um, you know, I, I, I keep going back to the top, and there's a corner there. Deontay Banks, who if they were to go in that direction, uh, if, if they wanted to look at a cornerback at that point, I think Deontay Banks would be a really good value. This is a player that throwing the Ohio State tape and watching you know, cover Marvin Harrison, that was a fun battle to watch between those two. Um, big, athletic, uh, he covers well at the top of routes. Uh, if as long as he trusts his technique, he is a, uh, a an NFL starter and a guy that I think you feel comfortable leaving on an island in the NFL. So, um, Jonathan Banks, that's awfully appealing there uh, at 28. I, I think that might be the direction I would go. All right, with the 28th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Athletics Draft Guru Dane Brugler has selected Maryland cornerback Deontay Banks. So here are some things to know about Maryland cornerback Deontay Banks. He's six feet tall, 197 pounds, and ran a 4.3540 at the combine to rank third fastest among the cornerbacks. His 42-inch vertical leap was number one. In their most recent mock drafts, ESPN's Mel Kuyper and the NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah both had Banks going 23rd to the Vikings. Now, Time to move on to the Bengals' second pick, number 60 overall. Now the draft simulator will zip to the Bengals' pick in the second round. Okay, we'll take a look at some of the most recent selections. 
Uh, Jamie Robinson just went off to the Bills, uh, safety from Florida State. Matthew Bergeron, tackle guard for the Cowboys at 58, which I, that would have been a nice pick for the Bengals. Um, Josh Downs to the Giants. Steve Avila to the Jags. Big Dewan Jones from Ohio State. To your second-round pick in your most meet recent That's mock it. draft to the That's Bengals. right, yeah. Um, so, okay, let's look at, go ahead and look at the best available at this point then. Andre Carter still there, um, not surprising. Nathaniel Dell still a little early for him. Dayon Henley, he's on his way up. Um, I like that. Oh, Adabare from Northwestern, who uh, unbelievable combine performance. I, I've never seen a human being 280 pounds or more run a sub 4 five forty uh, until last night. So Thought to be the fastest ever by a guy 280-plus yeah. at the combine, right? Unbelievable. Um, now the question is, okay, how do you – because he was great at the Senior Bowl, great here at the combine because the positional stuff was great too. So how do you apply that now to the evaluation? How how does his grade change? How, you know, how, do you see it on tape? So that's what teams are kind of scrambling to figure out. I mean, you love it for the kid. It's good for him. He's going to go much higher than we thought in, in December. But, uh, you know, at what point do you take him? Um, okay, Luke Whippler from Ohio State is a little early for him. Carl Brooks from uh, Bowling Green. And Nick Herbig, interesting, uh, kind of a hybrid rusher. Sam Laporta from Iowa I like quite a bit. Um, the Iowa tight end, just a, a rock-solid player. I tell you what, Adabare, uh, you know, he, he gives you a little versatility, can be that three technique, can, you know, can uh, rush off the edge. Um, he's got a different body type because he's a little shorter, but he's got 34-inch arms. So uh, I'm, let's go with Adabare here. A strength in the defensive line, both inside and outside. You've got someone that you can mold. And, you know, you look at the Bengals draft last year with a guy like, you know, Dax Hill in the first round, uh, you know, who you th- it's a pick for the future. Adabare is a guy that's going to help you right away, but also a pick for the future uh, on that defensive line. Now some more details on Northwestern defensive lineman Adatamiwa Adabare. He's 6'2", 282 pounds, and ran a 44940 with a 37.5-inch vertical. The previous record for the fastest 40-time at the Combine by a player 280-plus pounds was 468 by somebody named Aaron Donald. Again, Adabare ran a 449. His stats weren't off the charts at Northwestern with five sacks last year and four and a half the year before. Pro Football Focus has him ranked 45th on its top 100 board, and that came out before the combine. Now, time for the Bengals' next pick, number 92 overall. We are just about at Cincinnati. At pick number 92. All right, first we'll see the guys that went just before the Bengals. Okay, so Devin A. Chain to the Bills. I don't, you know, maybe they could have taken a runner back. You know, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Tucker Craft, uh, one of my favorite players in this draft. South Dakota State at 90 to the Cowboys. That's a, a tremendous value there. Um, uh, Tank Dell, Houston receiver of the Giants. Uh, Sidney Brown, Illinois safety. Uh, decent value there. What, let's, let's, when was the last time, or the last tackle drafted? here let's see we've the because the tackle class really thins out on day two and you know we're seeing this here you're scrolling not a lot of tackles off the board um okay tyler steen at 66 see that's and and that's possible it might be an example of because tackle there's so few tackles uh you know once you get to day two so a guy like tyler steen maybe gets pushed up a little bit i think it's pretty pretty rich for him but 
you got to do what you got to do. So uh, that, that's interesting that how the how the Bengals are sitting here with what's available. Should I filter the remaining guys and look at tackles? Would yeah. you like me to take a, a yeah, shot at that? that? All right. So we are hitting the little tackle button here. All right. So at this point, Blake Freeland, Luke Haggard. Oof. <laughs> I, I like Braden Daniels. Braden Daniels is a good player. Um, I, I think this is right around the range where you start thinking about Braden Daniels. Uh, Carter Warren maybe uh, as well. But the rest of these tackles are not not guys that you're getting excited about here in the third round. Um, I did see end. a tight end that uh, caught my eye there. Um, and if he were to be available at this point, I don't know how you're passing. Um, talking about Sam Laporta from Iowa who – in my opinion, is and this is a really deep tight end class, and that might be the reason why you don't draft a tight end in the first round because you feel good about who's going to be there for you, second, third, fourth round. Um, and case in point, right here, late third round, Sam Laporta's here. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker, I think, is a third round player. He's still available, but um, I, Sam Laporta, I'm not passing up this value. Give, give me Laporta, who you know, you talk to scouts and they'll say he's maybe not quite as athletic as a Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson, but he's got the grit of George Kittle. Talking about those Iowa tight ends. So Sam Laporta, pick 92, loving that value there. The Bengals reportedly met with Sam Laporta at the Combine. Iowa listed him at 6'4", 249 pounds, and he had a very productive career with the Hawkeyes, finishing with 153 catches for nearly 1,800 yards. Among Iowa tight ends all time, Laporta ranks first in catches and second in yards, and he was a team captain last year. After you do a mock draft on the Pro Football Focus Simulator, PFF gives you a grade. Let's find out how Dane Brugler did. Here's how PFF has graded your picks. A in round one, B plus in round two, A minus in round three, for an A minus overall grade, you're the highest, <laughs> highest anyone's graded so far. I'll take that. I mean, I don't. You know, the grade means little, but uh, no. I, I, if that's the three players the Bengals come out, come back with, uh, with picking later in each round, I think you got to feel great about that. You got guys that can help right away, um, but also building for the future. So I, I like that haul a lot for Cincinnati. This was fun. I always appreciate your time. Keep up the great work. Can't wait to see the Bible. All right. Thank you. I said the Bible, I meant the beast. That's the name of Dane's annual draft guide, which is the most comprehensive of any. More three-round mock drafts using the PFF simulator in the weeks to come on this podcast with Charles Davis from the NFL Network, Pete Prisco from CBS, and Austin Gale from The Ringer. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Kettering Health, the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. By Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. And by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.